Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. The largest strike ever by healthcare workers underway in America. California's governor says no unemployment benefits for those on the picket line. And today on the show, the latest from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters and another reason to fix our immigration system the crisis with direct care workers. Welcome to the Thursday, October 5th edition of America's Workforce, where we're available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Chuck Stiles. Chuck is director of the Teamsters Solid Waste and Recycling Division. And uh, he's a happy camper. Why? Because members of local 737 at Waste Management in Chicago have voted by an overwhelming two-to-one margin for a strong new contract. We're talking a five-year deal. It's being hailed as the richest ever negotiated by the 450 worker group and contains numerous improvements to benefits, contract language, and working conditions. By the way, that local, which is 731, is currently negotiating agreements for more than 2,500 waste workers at several other employers, including Republic Services, Waste Connections, Lakeshore Recycling, and several other private commercial waste companies for the city of Chicago. At each employer, the Teamsters are fighting for higher wages, improved working conditions, and language, which guarantees workers the right to honor picket lines in the new contracts. So uh, Chuck's going to be our first guest later in the show. We're going to join Robert Espinoza. Robert is executive vice president of an organization called PHI. This is the nation's leading authority on the direct care workforce. It's a national organization committed to strengthening the direct care workforce by producing research and analysis leading federal and state advocacy initiatives and designing groundbreaking workforce interventions and models. For more than 30 years, they brought a perspective on the long-term care sector to uh, a number of officials, government included in on that. And this is a, this is a crisis in the making if it hasn't happened already, because you got a very, very large senior population that's going to need care. And uh, they just came out with a publication, PHI did, titled Bridging the Gap, Enhancing Support for Immigrant Direct Care Workers and Meeting Long-Term Care Needs. Now, the key takeaways in that report, immigrants make up at least, at least 27% of the direct care workforce, a figure that has grown from 21% just about a decade ago. They are also more likely to be employed in home care settings and have slightly better economic outcomes compared to their U.S.-born counterparts, which is kind of interesting. Additionally, immigrant direct care workers can earn 
a median hourly wage of $13.50. And when you look at the annual income on that, we're a little over $25,000 compared to $13 an hour for U.S.-born direct care workers. Well, despite their critical role, the direct care sector faces a severe staffing crisis rooted in poor job quality and a limited pipeline for workers between uh, 2021 and 2031. Listen to this. The long-term care sector will need to fill 9.3 million direct care job openings. Okay, so if we're getting a big chunk from immigrant workers and we don't have a good immigration policy in the United States of America, we have a problem. And that's exactly what Robert is going to talk about. And also the economic impact of what this means to the entire U.S. economy. So Robert Espinoza, Executive Vice President of PHI. He'll be our second guest on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. More than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers and support staff in several states, along with Washington, D.C., walked off the job Wednesday in a three-day action that union officials said is the largest healthcare worker strike in the history of this country. Can you believe that? The coalition of Kaiser Permanente Union said the walkout is to protest, quote, unfair labor practices and unsafe staffing levels at hundreds of Kaiser hospitals and facilities. The unions have demanded improved staffing and across the board raises over the next four years. Well, last month, the unions representing workers in California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. said they would walk off the job unless a new contract was reached. Well, that contract ended Saturday, and the two sides had not reached agreement on a new deal by yesterday morning. So as of yesterday morning, workers formed strike lines to picket outside Kaiser hospitals and medical offices in California, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. This was for a planned three-day action. Workers in Virginia and Washington, D.C., well, they launched a one-day strike, so they should be back to work today. The strike involves a wide range of health care and support workers a patient might encounter during a visit. We're talking vocational nurses, certified nursing assistants, emergency department technicians, radiology techs, ultrasound, respiratory therapists, x-ray techs, optometrists, dietary service workers, behavioral health workers, surgical techs, pharmacy techs, transporters, home health aides, medical assistants, dental assistants, call center, and teleservice workers, even housekeepers. About 400 registered nurses at Kaiser's Moreno Valley Medical Center, which is located in Southern California. They plan to strike as well, according to Renee Saldana, spokeswoman for SEIU United Healthcare Workers West. That's one of the unions organizing the walkout. Given the urgency 
of the staffing crisis at Kaiser, frontline healthcare workers are ready to sit down with Kaiser executives whenever they're ready to bargain in good faith. Carolyn Lucas, executive director of the Coalition for Kaiser Permanente Union, said on Tuesday, however, no agreement can be made until Kaiser executives stop bargaining in bad faith and committing unfair labor practices. Now, Kaiser's saying there's been a lot of progress. We remain committed to reaching a new agreement that continues to provide our employees with market-leading wages, excellent benefits, generous retirement income plans, and valuable development opportunities. Now, mind you, Kaiser is one of the nation's largest insurers and health providers. They have uh, 39 hospitals nationwide. It's a $3 billion corporation. And you ready for this? The CEO took home $16 million in pay and perks last year. Okay. Now, here's what the unions want. They want a four-year pact with pay hikes of 7% during the first two years, 6.25% in years three and four. They want workers to earn a minimum performance bonus of $1,500 and a minimum wage of $25 an hour across Kaiser, preserving existing health benefits and a fund of $2,500 per year for health care reimbursement accounts and also uh, steady retirement plans with no room for loopholes or plan changes. This is pretty common, though. Um, the, these short strikes, which are designed to call attention to the power of workers. Again, this is the largest healthcare worker strike ever in the history of America. California's Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill that would have given unemployment benefits to workers on strike. He said the rejected the bill, which was backed by the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA, because the fund that the state uses to pay unemployment benefits is projected to be nearly $20 billion in debt by the end of this year, and that would jeopardize benefits for everybody else. He said now is not the time to increase costs or incur this sizable debt. Now, If passed, the bill would have let workers who are on strike for at least two weeks receive unemployment checks from the state, typically only workers who lost their jobs through no fault of their own are eligible for those benefits. Now, New York has a different law. If you go on strike, you can get unemployment benefits, and they were trying to model this one after that. Now, following the news of the veto, Loreno Gonzalez Fletcher, who's the executive secretary treasurer of the California Labor Fed, said this veto tips the scales further in favor of corporations and CEOs and punishes workers who exercise their fundamental right to strike. At a time when public support of unions and strikes are at an all-time high, this veto is out of step with American values. And she added, all over the country, workers are rising up against an economy that only benefits the wealthy. We will keep fighting until striking workers get the benefits that they have earned. Well, this legislation was an attempt by state lawmakers to help Hollywood actors and writers, as well as Southern California hotel workers who have been on strike for several months. 
Now, while the writer's strike ended, and they have a tentative contract there that they're voting on right now, the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike is still going on. But from what I've been gathering, those talks are finally, finally moving forward. We'll keep you posted on that. In addition to uh, what I just talked about, what the governor in California vetoed on unemployment benefits, there's another piece of legislation, Senate Bill 799, Governor Newsom vetoed a uh, high-profile labor bill that would have expanded Cal OSHA's workplace health and safety rules to cover domestic workers. Now, supporters of that bill urged that the legislation would standardize critical workplace protections for the state's domestic workers, most of whom are low-income immigrant women of color. They need protections, right? However, the governor expressed concern that the bill would regulate private households that employ domestic workers in the same manner as traditional businesses, so he decided to uh, veto the bill. Meanwhile, the auto workers' fight continues with over 25,000 workers on strike. Both GM and Ford announced they would lay off an additional 500 workers due to the impact of the strike. GM also announced that the UAW proposed a counter to GM's most recent offer from September 21st, but stated that significant gaps remain between the two parties. GM and the UAW's renewed talks came shortly after the union reached a tentative agreement for a five-year contract with Mack Trucks. That happened over the weekend. UAW and Mack Trucks have not disclosed the terms of the agreement, but the union announced that the union would share more details to the public once union members have reviewed and ratified that deal. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. They may expand to more cities with the uh, UAW strike. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW dot O-R-G. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the U.S.W. We are the U.S.W. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., U.S. Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now. 
back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ulagency.org is their website. Before we uh, join our first guest, uh, and I try to stay away from politics. Sometimes it is unavoidable because of what's going on in the House of Representatives. I got a comment here today from Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who summed up this week. Let me get this straight. Republicans remove their own speaker. They try to impeach the president, almost shut down the government, disrupting everybody's paychecks and general public operations. For what, I don't even know. The center-right think tank, American Action Forum's vice president for economic policy, Gordon Gray, had an answer to AOC. He said, ever since the debt ceiling was resolved, there's a big chunk of House Republicans who just want to break something. That's just how some of these folks define governing. It's how their constituents define success. (laughs) Burn down the house. Burn down the house, I guess. All right, let's go to... uh, Outside Atlanta right now, and joining us on our live line is Chuck Stiles. Chuck is director of the Teamsters Solid Waste and Recycling Division. And I have to point out, there's a a number of divisions and conferences with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which is one of our great sponsors here on the show. We got the airline division. They have a division just for Amazon, brewery, bakery, soft drink, building materials, car haul, Convention, casinos, express division, food processing, freight, graphic communications, human rights and diversity commission. They have an industrial trades division, motion picture, theatrical trade, package division, passenger transportation, public services, rail conference, uh, tank hall, warehouse, and finally, solid waste and recycling. And that's, uh, that's where Chuck Stiles comes in. Brother Stiles, how are we doing it? What, what's this, 38 years of team, sir? Is that right, sir? That is correct. So how long are you going to be doing this, Chuck? Well, it's, uh, I'll, I'll serve as long as my health will allow. It is the, uh, the greatest job on earth to, uh, pick workers up and move them into the middle class and, uh, uh, if you look at our Chicago agreement, uh, I think we may move those guys into the upper middle class, which is uh, which is the way it should be in the labor market. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that's exactly what you want to talk about on the show here. And I'll tell you, it's always difficult to secure a good, I mean a really good contract. Let's talk about it. I guess this is local uh, 731 eight, at Waste Management Incorporated. What's what's the story here, Chuck? Go ahead. Okay, so uh, thank you, and uh, for those out there listening, Local 731, not only do they have waste management, but they have Republic Services, Waste Connections, uh, Lakeshore. These are like number uh, one, two, three, and seven, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then they have a number of smaller haulers throughout, uh, throughout Chicagoland. So basically, over the years, things have gone somewhat stagnant. There was no real militancy in that local. Uh, General President Sean O'Brien uh, and I are, 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 are good friends, number one, to start with. And number two, we both believe in militancy and, and progressiveness inside our union. 
So uh, Brother O'Brien passed the division to get in uh, in these negotiations. And what normally happens, we start with a pattern agreement, like we waste management happened to be the one who would set the standards for the Chicagoland area. And to be honest, I've dealt with this company for well over 20 years, uh, all of these haulers for well over 20 years. They know that our general president is not somebody to mess with, and uh, for lack of better terms, they were eager to get a deal. So from start to finish, how, how long are we talking about here to get this? Uh, and we're talking, a, what is it, a five-year contract? Is that right? Yes, it's a five-year agreement. Uh, and we started, actually, it did not take that long. We, uh, we met with the membership uh, throughout the summer. Uh, myself and other division reps, uh, not only do we have a big open meeting for proposals, uh, but we also uh, were able to get in the barns at 1 or 2 in the morning back in the afternoon. So we we did a tour around Chicago telling the workers, you know, all about the solidarity. They got it. They they know what UPS, what, what our general president is able to deliver at UPS. Uh, so they got it. They realized this is their time. This was their time and is their time to make history uh, in in the labor movement. And I think the contract that we have ratified at Waste Management will be voted on this weekend at Waste Connections and hopefully Republic. That will solidify uh, what we set out to do, and that was to change this industry in Chicago. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. I want to talk more about that, but let's concentrate, if you don't mind, on waste management. It was uh, overwhelmingly approved two to one margin. Did you expect that kind of ratio for the for the workers to ratify it? Yeah, yeah, really, I did. It was it was it was actually about it was nearly a three to one, uh, and that was a little bit of a typo. It was nearly a three to one. Uh, there was some on some language. Some of the guys didn't get it, and they were used to being bit in the butt on it. And uh, we explained the language, and that brought some over. Some were still a little leery, but but with the uh, with that agreement, yes, uh, I expect that, and and expect those margins are better at the other haulers. When you say this is one of the richest ones ever negotiated can you be specific on that i mean obviously wages come to mind i mean we've got inflation to deal with can you uh, give us some details on that chuck yeah yeah I, i'll lay out some history if that's possible uh in in the past these guys have been uh used to getting a buck 25 a buck 50 on the first year as a sweetener uh and then roughly 65 65 65 65 okay uh, their PTO time was atrocious, uh, to say the least, uh, for uh, a city of this of that size, and uh, the the actually the, the dangerous work these folks do. So we came out. Uh, what would that be? Normally getting uh, two fifty three dollars uh, under under four dollars uh, across the board over five years. Uh, we're well over $9 an hour over these five years uh, with enhanced uh, health and welfare, enhanced pension, uh, sick days with seniority now. You had to have 18 years to get four days. If you've got 18 years now, you're going to get uh, between six and seven. Everybody has upfront uh, five, do- uh, five uh, PTO days. That has never been seen in this contract, okay, never. Uh, also, uh, 
We enhance the vacation pay, a lot of the language around discipline. Uh, one of the things I'm extremely proud of is we got the uh, so-called uh, favored nation language out of that. And uh, are you aware of what favored nation, uh, what a favored nation clause is? Not really. Can you explain that for me? Yeah, and for folks listening, uh, a favored nations clause, uh, which let's say this, okay? So every most of the, most agreements up there had the favored nation clause in it. So what that means would be this: Let's say I go out. At, I'm gonna throw a fictitious company. ABC Disposal in Chicago was there. They got 30 guys, right? Uh, okay. They're biting off some of my business. I organize them, and I give them, it's not a sweetheart deal, but I would give them a break-in rate, right? It may uh-huh. take five years to break in to the top uh, benefit and package. Uh, if I'm one of the one of the haulers uh, with this favored nation clause, I say, hey, you just gave them a break. I'm I'm going to uh, use my favored nations, and my employees will take that pay cut to catch up over five years. I see. So this was really big. Uh, this was really big for the division to get that out. That way, nobody can come in and undercut uh, anybody. This is a pattern agreement that 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 all haulers will sign on to. I like that. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, you you touched on injuries there. Can you uh, brief us on on how on how that is in waste management? I mean, you know, you get this perception of oh, somebody's just picking up garbage, and they probably don't know much beyond that. Um, how, how how serious is it? Well, it is. Uh, this is this really rattles people. Uh, uh, the federal the federal uh, stats that come out right it will fluctuate between the fourth most dangerous job and the fifth most dangerous job. Uh, people have got to realize uh, as you're out there, right? You're out there. You're you're seeing these guys. Most of us do. We we pull our, our can to the curb and we forget about it, right? Uh-huh. But you got to realize, uh, watch these garbage trucks as they stop. We have people, you know, the trucks get slammed into. Guys get cut off at the waist, uh, you know, honest the truth. I mean, they're paralyzed because they get pinned between uh, a vehicle and and, uh, and and the garbage truck. That, you have a number of these things. You have the front load guys who, you know, have the forks on the front of the of the, uh, the the truck. They go in. Normally their routes are at, like from midnight on because of the business they're doing, the restaurants, all of that. They can't maneuver through traffic. Um, you have them spearing uh, the cans. They get up, they open, they roll the cans, they pop their backs, uh, and then a lot around the landfill injuries uh, because of the, the guys trying to get in and dump. They have spotters who are not trained. They get behind the vehicles, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, needles, uh, the different things you pick up in this industry, uh, dead animals. Uh, people, you, you have a horse style. What do you do? You take it yeah. to a transfer station, it winds up on a garbage truck. As bad as that happens, yeah. that, that is what these guys are dealing with on a daily basis. Oh, I imagine they've seen a lot over the years. Wow. Chuck Stiles joining us on our live line today. He is the director of the Solid Waste and Recycling Division of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. We're talking about a five-year agreement. Three-to-one margin, not two-to-one, three-to-one margin ratified by the members of Local 731. But... There's more to talk about. There's more agreements with uh, 
2,500 waste workers at several other employers. We'll talk more about that later in the show. We're going to check in with Robert Espinoza, who is with an organization that is analyzing the immigrant direct care workforce and what lies ahead. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. Always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line. And rejoin Chuck Stiles. Chuck is director of the Teamster Solid Waste and Recycling Division. We're talking about a fantastic five-year agreement hailed as the richest ever negotiated by the 450 workers at Waste Management in Chicago. Now, I guess there's a, a couple of other negotiations going on right now. And, and the good thing, at least you got this in place, and maybe that could be a pattern for the other the other contracts here. So wh- where do we stand? There's a couple of other uh, companies that that are involved in uh, waste pickup. So what's the story here, Chuck? Yeah, this contract that we just uh, had ratified will be will be the pattern agreement uh, for Chicago. So uh, you basically you you will sign on to this, or uh, you know there could be consequences. So, but we have. Uh, reached 10 of agreements with Groot Industries, which is Waste Connection, the third largest hauler in North America, and then uh, also Republic Services, the number two in North America. 
with the exception of some language, language being around operational needs. Each company runs different. The uh, the wages, uh, benefits, uh, will will around health, welfare, pension, uh, sick days, vacation will mirror each other. Uh, there may be uh, around vacation. There may be one pays a little more than the other when you take off on vacation. Uh, just due to the number of hours that these guys work, but we like I say we're able to enhance that. But this is a pattern agreement, so everybody will be looking at these wages and benefits. If you're at Republic, you're going to get what you got at uh, at waste management. So it's uh, it's really a good way of uh, of of lifting these folks, uh, as I said earlier, into the upper middle class. So. Uh, uh, these are going to be great jobs. These will be kids out of the inner city can come in, take these jobs, get them out of the street. As we're going through this driver shortage, uh, it really makes folks want to drive a truck again. I like that. Yeah, it's a different time in America. We're seeing a lot of good things happening with unions, and there's a lot of people on strike. It's it's almost a record, especially now with the uh, healthcare workers who went on strike yesterday in various states but if you don't mind can you talked about sean o'brien in the first segment and uh, the militancy and we're seeing it across the board i mean look what's going on with the uaw leadership right now but i'm just wondering in this situation what was uh, sean pretty hands-on in uh, in making this happen for especially those in chicago uh, yes, he was, and uh, I, I will tell you this, Sean and myself were on across the weekend leading up to this uh, a week later for the vote. Uh, Sean and myself were on the phone with uh, management, uh, upper management, waste management, uh, you know, again, telling them this is what we have to have, okay, this is what's going to get the deal done. Uh, Sean is he's hands on on everything, and, and he is just a great guy to deal with. He uh, from 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 a labor perspective, he is a he's the real deal. He's like me. Uh, I had an attorney at Republic tell me one time, you know, you're a true believer. I said, yes, I am a true believer. I am a true believer in the labor movement and picking people up. And I know Brother O'Brien is the same. I love that. Yeah, there, there's, it's a different day. There, there's no doubt about that. So I'm just wondering, what's on the horizon here? I mean, you're director of the Solid Waste and Recycling Division. What, are there any other uh, cities that uh, that you can reference right now that, that probably need a contract, like what you are able to accomplish at 731 in Chicago? Yeah, we're currently in, in uh, bargaining for Republic Services, a group of about 180 in Atlanta. It's a group I organized 20 years ago. This is a renewal agreement. We're getting close on that agreement. Uh, and the company, had, hey, we got Juneteenth in the uh, in the agreement. I always ask for, uh, I demand Martin Luther King as a holiday because he was a hero to me. Uh, uh-huh. And now we're getting Juneteenth in these agreements. Uh, they've agreed to it in Atlanta. We're off a little bit on the wages. We'll get that done. We're fairly far apart on three brand new, newly organized units in uh, Tinctures 104 in Phoenix, which is the headquarters of uh, Republic. So uh, they seem a little embarrassed that they got uh, organized in their own backyard. So uh, those negotiations, uh, I had a long talk with the company the other night. I think we will see those bear fruit uh, hopefully within the next week or two if, if not uh if not then uh we have to rethink the situation there chuck let me ask you this i mean the big story over the summer 
was UPS. I mean, there was talk of, of a possible strike, and uh, Sean O'Brien negotiated one incredible deal for the workers. They got a lot of play. I'm just wondering, was, was that kind of intimidating, especially to uh, companies like Waste Management, in, in your opinion? No, you're you're exactly right. I mean, that is it, and that is having known Sean way before he was a general president. They knew what Sean was capable of, and yes, UPS would have been on strike. I can tell you that now. Uh, you got to look at the history of Local 25 when Sean O'Brien was a general president there. Uh, actually, I had one of the large waste companies call me, and they uh, they uh, <laughs> to me, I just laughed because I know the negotiator. I've dealt with him. A million times he goes, hey, Sean took his hand on strike this morning. And I said, yeah, the con- you know, he told you we've got to get a deal by this date. Well, yeah, but everybody tells us that, but nobody does it. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, you're dealing with a different animal with Sean O'Brien. He <laughs> said we've got to have a deal by this date. You didn't have it. You're on the street. So yeah. that is what you can expect. And, uh, yes, it does throw a bit of fear. And I have no problem using the word fear. Uh, when Sean tells you that uh, this is it, this is the yeah. drop dead date. Get ready. And for those of us, we've been hungry. I've been hungry in this labor movement. Is you know, we're going on 35 years now. 38 years as a member. 35 years for a leader like Sean O'Brien. Well, that is good to hear. It, you you need good leadership at the top, and uh, and I'll tell you, now is the time to improve those wages, improve those benefits, because uh, after the pandemic especially, uh, there was a lot of workers out there that were essential workers. They were called heroes on the job. They were obviously taken advantage of at that time. Many of them got sick. Many of them are not here today because of COVID. But uh, we've got through it, and we got to plow forward, and uh, good things happening for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Well, I'm going to let you go. You said one thing here in the break here that I'd like you to uh, repeat to our listeners about the, the, the grit, the, uh, the passion, especially those in waste hauling. I mean, it's a different breed of worker there. Can you, uh, can you uh, lay that out for us, Chuck? Yeah, as we were talking on the break, yeah, these guys, I, I fall in love. I came out of a freight truck. That's where I came, and I started organizing waste workers. And they put you in, and, and you know, there's a, there's a two-fold dynamic. I just thought about this. You had James Riddlehoffer out there, right? He was tough when he was in the freight. Uh, these guys are, are, the waste guys remind me so much of the old-time freight haulers in the 30s and 40s, right? They're tough. Uh, they don't take no shit. excuse my language. Uh, they get out there, they're, they're rough and tumble guys. A lot of them are street guys. They've had some, uh, you know, run-ins with the law. Uh, they're tough guys. They just got to know how to focus uh, that for collective action, right? Uh, uh-huh. And uh, James Riddlehoffer was able to do that in the freight industry, and I really believe with the leadership we have now at, at our international union, uh, we're going to see that not just in the waste industry, which they do remind me so much of, of, of it, you know, of what happened in the 30s and the 40s during the freight uh, when there was this plan out there. I mean, this 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 uh, genius plan that that old man Hoffa had, and, and I see that with his waste. How do we lock them down? You know, these guys get it. When you explain to them, we're looking at three or four years in, in the future. 
on how do we, we lock this industry down. They're tough. They're gritty. They don't take no junk. And uh, they're, they're just a solid earth with, with the job they do, uh, you know, every day to keep our streets, keep our cities clean, everything. So my hat goes off to them. Well, Chuck, thank you for uh, joining us here on America's Workforce. I, I love your candidness on the show here. Chuck Stiles, director of the Teamsters Solid Waste and Recycling Division, 38 years with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. You, uh, you stay in touch with us. You're welcome here anytime. Okay, brother? Most certainly. Thank you, and uh, thanks to all the hard workers out there who make this country run. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. Robert Espinoza is the executive vice president of an organization that is addressing the direct care workforce and the role of immigrants and the future of that direct care workforce. He's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. .org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to our next guest, just want to do a shout out here for the 75,000 Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers who went on strike yesterday. Some are back to work today, and this is happening in a number of states California, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. It's a three day strike, so it should wrap up tomorrow. And they're offering them like 3%, which doesn't even make a dent in, uh, in inflation. Got a comment here from uh, one of the workers. This can't go on. This can't go on. This is from SEIU United Healthcare Workers West. Coworker after coworker left Kaiser for better paying, less stressful jobs. It's been devastating for our working conditions and 
for our patients. They wait endlessly to see us, and we're too rushed, stressed out, and exhausted to give them the care that they deserve. And they've also filed an unfair labor practice charge against them. So we'll see what happens. But uh, you got to support the people on the front lines. Speaking of which, let's go to uh, line number two right now. Robert Espinoza is an executive vice president with an organization called PHI. And uh, they are an authority on the direct care workforce, which is comprised of a lot of immigrant workers, primarily females. Robert, welcome to America's Workforce. I know you've been on the show before, but why don't you explain to our listeners uh, a little bit, give me a little more details on on PHI. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. Um, So PHI, we're a national organization that's focused on improving jobs for direct care workers. So home care workers, residential care aides, and nursing assistants who work in a variety of long-term care settings. Together, they are larger than any other occupation in the U.S. And so what we do is we focus on improving these jobs, improving their wages, their training and advancement opportunities, and just the overall respect and recognition that they deserve, but they don't get from either their employers or from society at large. Um, We also work with employers to design training programs, and we produce research to help people understand who these workers are. And you also work with the federal government because a lot of these policies are dictated by the federal government, correct? Absolutely. I mean, we work very closely with various departments and agencies and with members of Congress because, well, for one reason, because Medicaid is the primary payer of long-term care. And while that's a a federal-state partnership, the federal government has a big role in shaping the parameters and the funding of that program. Well, I see you just came out with a new uh, report, and it's titled Bridging the Gap, Enhancing Support for Immigrant Direct Care Workers and Meeting Long-Term Care Needs. And I see uh, when when you take a look at the projections here, we need to fill over 9 million direct care job openings between now and 2031. That's a tall order. So can you give us some specifics on this report? And how we're going to accomplish that. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a tall order. In fact, a year ago, we estimated a little over 7 million. So the number of job openings is just skyrocketing. And it has to do with, you know, because many workers are retiring or they're exiting the labor force, but often these workers are leaving direct care for industries like fast food or retail because they happen to pay more, which, you know, is a travesty for the direct care sector. Um, So this report really says, you know, one, it finds through our research that immigrants are a big part of the direct care workforce. More broadly, they're a big part of most healthcare occupations and of the economy. And, and they have been for years. They've been responsible for major advances science, et cetera. Um, and in the direct care workforce, it's really critical because we are seeing those job openings. And too often, agencies or nursing homes or assisted living are finding that they can't recruit and retain enough workers. And so if those job, those job openings persist, immigrants are going to be, continue to be a big part of the future of that sector. So we outline a wide range of recommendations. So right now, immigrants make up at least 27%, so more than a quarter of the, the direct care workforce. You know, what, what got my attention in this report they're actually, the immigrants are actually paid not much more, but definitely more than U.S. born 
direct care workers. You know, to me, I, I thought it'd be the other way around, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit um, unexpected. Um, you know, it is it is modestly more, and it's still poverty level. Um, and and I think more research needs to look into those reasons. Um, but I do think you know that the point that one in four direct care workers is an immigrant, um, and the fact that we're as a country we're aging, and the demand for these jobs is only going to grow. I mean, it does show the ways in which immigrants are going to be part of that solution. Yeah, the wages, uh, I'm reading, what, 13 13 an hour? Now, how does somebody, I mean, Robert, how does somebody make a career, or, or they, they don't make a career if they're a direct they care don't. worker? Because they don't, right? They don't. They don't make a career. I mean, the, the, there are no advancement opportunities, very few advancement opportunities in direct care. And what we see is that turnover can hover between 60 to 100 percent in this sector, and most workers leave within the first 90 days, right? So their poverty-level wages, oftentimes employers or the economy will relegate them to part-time hours, so their annual earnings are poverty-level, right? And so what you often see are workers are working multiple jobs, and then they leave this field for other sectors. It's a crisis. So this report that just came out, Bridging the Gap, does it address the, the wage the wages here, because I don't see how you're going to get people to fill those jobs, jobs that are needed, especially with the senior population increasing. Does does that does it touch on that at all? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the assumption in this report is that there needs to be two general avenues for supporting these workers. I mean, one is what we have advocated our entire lifetime as an organization, which is that we have to improve the overall quality of jobs for everyone, regardless of immigration status. And that means, you know, creating a living and competitive wage, providing training and advancement opportunities and a whole range of policy supports. But specific to immigrants, we argue for a wide range of recommendations. And those can include you know, passing policies that support them as immigrants. Like immigrants often are navigating the immigration system or the hostility of our country. Um, we also argue for a, a caregiver visa that actually offers an immigrant the opportunity to live permanently in this country. So it creates that pathway to citizenship. Um, so I, it does argue that in order to support these workers in the whole sector, we need to be thinking about both improving job quality for all workers and targeting supports to immigrants. Well, Robert, let's face the reality here. What you just said, I totally agree with you, but you know none of it's going to happen. I mean, we can't even find a house speaker right now with, with this. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and immigrants, I mean, for the last, what, maybe five, six years, they've been demonized. I mean, they're probably afraid to come out in the open and work in the direct care workforce. I'm sure you're hearing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the report shows that states that where there are more punitive anti-immigrant policies tend to also have some of the worst workforce shortages. And it, 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 there's, there's a correlation there, right? Um, I do think that immigration tends to be a contentious issue. It's quite hostile. And we are in a very divisive political climate. Um, and I do think that people are looking for 
solutions that might be able to cross that divide somehow. Um, and that's interesting. A few years ago, we did a first study on immigrants in direct care where we just said, you know, immigrants are a big part of this sector. Um, if we don't find ways to strengthen the supports, none of us will have care as we age or our parents won't have care. So it does affect all of us. And we were surprised to see that it did get picked up in quite a few outlets, including some some relatively conservative outlets like Fox News and others, right? And so I, I think that argument might provide an entry point into thinking about this issue in a way that that we haven't yet, right? Now that's mm-hmm. all that's all to be decided, but I, I I think there's some opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that need to be corrected here, but the immediate fix, the immediate fix, and I think you know this, is wages. We got to raise mm-hmm. those wages. Is there money in the pipeline somewhere? I mean, you mentioned Medicare and, you know, Medicare. I mean, we've got issues on funding there as well. Social Security. There's always a tax on those programs, as you well know. But how do you feel about the immediacy of raising those wages? Is that possible? It is possible, and it needs to be a priority, I think, at the federal and at the state level. You know, we had a bill, uh, the Build Back Better Act, uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, that would have done quite a bit for home care workers. It would have boosted the Medicaid program, the Home Community-Based Services Program, with $400 billion, and it would have been kind of funneled funding in the state to raise wages to something that's livable and competitive with other industries. But it didn't pass. It, it missed passing, I think, by, by one or two votes. Um, and that was a real missed opportunity, but it tells us that how close we are to imagining something that would change wages. I mean, because the program relies so, because direct care job quality relies so heavily on Medicaid and Medicaid programs, you know, tend to be strained at the state level, they're also quite ideological, right? You see people, specifically Republicans, challenging Medicaid programs as something that, you know, it's a handout, it, it doesn't really benefit workers, et cetera. And as long as we are not financing the system to help employers pay for these jobs, it's going to be hard to raise those wages. And so I think it's about reimagining financing so that employers and others have the ability to hire workers at a good wage. Robert Espinoza, Executive Vice President of PHI National, phinational.org is our website. You can check out that report, Bridging the Gap. Thank you so much, Robert. Good luck to you. Let's talk down the road, okay? Yes, thank you so much. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades, and it's our first Friday with Fred. Fred Redmond, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.